You're listening to Live from City Lights, a podcast of readings and archives from City Lights books and publishers. To learn more, visit www.citylights.com. Um, but Mr. Gaines, of course, we're very honored and uh, thrilled to have him with us here tonight. I don't know how many times you've played his music in the front bench. Um, probably hundreds. Uh, he's, of course, a great musician. Needless to say, uh, but also for this now, I don't know right. But he's also a visual artist, a filmmaker, and now with uh, me and Mr. Cigar, um, his debut young adult novel. Uh, very, very thrilled to have you here with us. Welcome to City Lights. Thank you so much. Oh my lord. Hey, how you doing? I wrote a fucking book. Why did you guys come here? Has anybody read the book? It doesn't matter. <laughs> You know, I just wanted to start out by uh, reading this little piece. As a young child, I would lay in bed side by side with my father while he read me until I fell asleep. Sometimes I was unaware of his departure, while other times I lay half asleep with the imagery of what I had just heard dancing in my head. The first book he read me was a picture book called Pegos Bill. You may wonder how you read a picture book to somebody. Nonetheless, there were words in this picture book. He read it to me so many times I memorized it word for word. The second book he read to me was Charlotte's Web. A Savage Tale, Triumph, Desolation, and Renewal. It was this book that kept a voice in me for all these years saying, you know, someday I'm going to write me a book of my own. I grew up in Dallas, Texas in the 1960s, part of a classic American family in an idyllic suburban neighborhood, totally winging it in a decade of A-bombs, assassinations, and intense social change. I would hope that a young person would read this book, but I would hope that a young person reading this book would acknowledge the craziness of their own world, to flee from it as well as to embrace it, and above all, uh, to reach for the stars. Thank you, Casey Kaysen. I, I, have a, I have a theory that when a person is born, they are given three dogs. The first one shows you um, that you have to live and die. The second one teaches you how to cope with it. And the third one comforts you. It's a three-dog life, and Mr. Cigar is definitely number one. I tried to tell a story that I might have liked to have read when I was a 13-year-old, something slightly dangerous, slightly funny at that age. At that particular age of newfound emotions, loss and loneliness at the dawn of grown-up love, Oscar has suffered loss and sometimes finds himself alone. Both alone in a room and alone in a crowd. It's a wacky world out there. Oscar is in love with it all. All right, that's probably the best shit I've ever written. <laughs> Took me all day to write four paragraphs. Uh, anyway, I wrote a book. Uh, does anybody have, where are you guys from? Are there, uh, here. Here. mainly here, San Francisco? You, you, San Marcos, East does, <laughs> At this point, does anybody have any questions to ask me? Uh, what, what took you so long? Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, three years is a long time. No, uh, I mean, before, 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 <laughs> how long was it before you, when did you start deciding? I'm 62 years old. I don't know why it took me so long. I don't even know what to do. This is my first uh, experience with a book <coughs> reading presentation. I've got chewing gum in my mouth, and I fear it's, it's going to hinder me to some degree, but it's providing me with massive amounts of nicotine. <laughs> I'm very happy for. Um, wow. Uh, so some people, I'd say the majority don't know what this book is about. Well, I'll just say it this way. Then, 
Oscar got his explanation there, lying on the freshly mowed lawn, still holding tightly to the nine iron golf club and twitching ever so slightly, was the severed hand of Rachel Lester. Blint had bitten Oscar's sister's hand off. In total disbelief, Rachel flew up the steps with one long continuous wail, missing a hand. Soon her scream was joined by all others inside. Oscar mechanically surveyed the carnage surrounding him, numbly act acting out of instinct. While Oscar placed his sister's still quivering appendage in a nice cool, ice-filled cooler, Behind the seat of the family's John Deere mower, up walked a stunned Lytle Taylor, son of Dan Taylor, the owner of the landscaping company that serviced the family's two acres of lawn and gardens. Wow, man, I saw everything from my daddy's truck. Are you okay, dude? Is that her hand? Yes, Oscar pronounced. Staring at Larry's unconscious hulk, Lytle said, whoa, dude, that guy's totally passed out. Yes, Oscar monotone. Holy crap, dude. What was that thing? Oscar in shock, instead of answering, turned and ran towards the front door, cooler in hand. Halfway up the steps, his wide-eyed family emerged from the house. Hoisting the cooler, Oscar nervously explained, I've got it on ice, Dad. Good, son, said Big Oscar. <laughs> Shit like that happens in my book. <laughs> That's in the prelude. I've heard, I went, uh, I didn't know what a prelude was before I wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the end of it, which is called what? Uh, the epilogue. And what's a collection of short stories called? I don't know. <laughs> An anthology. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> oh. Here's the cool part. I'm kind of reading this out of order. Uh, if anybody has any questions, just let me know. Uh, some people have commented on the uh, uh, that uh, they are trees, I'll give them that. Beautiful old oak trees, but made of light or high, high, high definition video. Photo resolution, four-dimensional cartoons pasted onto themselves. Just fucking orienting. So with mind-blown muddy shoes and a stick in the hand named Yard Boss, entering the pulsing crowd was nothing less than an exercise in massive hypnotic freedom. At the edge of the crowd, an old man with long gray hair approaches me. Touching my shoulder, he looks me square in the eyes and says, Mau Mau, the flock catchers. Stumbling past, I look back and he is nowhere, maybe even no one, possibly nothing at all. Mau Mau, the flock catchers. That is indeed what we should be doing right now. And uh, I have a question. Cool. Yeah. When? when Fuck yeah. Because when I was reading so-called young adult books back in the 1960s, when did it become a thing that you could use the word "fuck" in a young adult book? I'm excited. About that. Well, oh yeah, no, I just. Uh, you know what? I got a ten-year-old kid, and uh, when he was like nine and a half, he came home from school, and he goes, uh, "Someone uh, said uh, I'm gonna fuck you up, bitch." <laughs> and so I'm thinking, "Fuck is cool for a few years on." <laughs> uh, there, there, probably, there have been lots of. I went to a uh, uh, the school uh, fourth grade classroom recently and heard um, the students interpret they were they wrote these short stories and in the short stories there was uh, there was murder in in one particular short story and the, the name of the person they murdered was another student in the class in their picture. <laughs> so Dude, I am tame. I'm hoping I'm not too tame. And I, and I know there's never. I, there's a couple. I don't. There's a couple lines I don't cross. There's no n word. There's no uh, c word. I don't cover sex until the next book <laughs> when they turn 17. Deal breaker or uh, whatever. I won't give it away, but it's gonna be gotta cover sex when you're an 18 year old boy in the uh, body of a dog. I mean, can you imagine? You can see all the between girls' legs you want, but you're just a dog. 
And a really powerful dog that can read people's minds. Um, is there a uh, graphic novel version of this coming out? No, but I would not uh, uh, want that. No, I like the idea of being an author. I really wish I had a tweed jacket with the elbow pads, the pipe, or the cable neck sweater with the big the horse collar, walking on the New England beach, pensively searching the horizon towards Spain. Uh, but I'm sorry. Yeah, you gotta have a pipe. And flippers. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, question for you, Vivian, if I can. Yeah, man. I'm interested in all the travel that you've had. Uh, have you noticed any difference between dogs from state to state or country to country? Do they change? Have you noticed any difference in their attitudes? Your, just your personal Wow. That's a good question. <laughs> oh, I hate to say dogs are dogs wherever you go, but. <laughs> well, tell us about your favorite. I have one of your favorites. Dog story? Uh, I got a few dog stories. Uh, the actual Mr. Cigar was um, uh, originally a cat <laughs> that uh, my uh, guitar player in my band, Buckle Surfers, um, Paul Walthall, uh, known as Paul Leary, uh, they owned a cat named um, Mr. Cigar, and Mr. Cigar in the middle of the night. Has anybody ever, first of all, has anybody ever been bit on their like big toe by a cat in the middle of the night? That's a fucking thing. <laughs> Just in case you don't know about it, shit is real, yo. So Mr. Cigar used to bite uh, Big Paul Walthall on the toe in the middle of the night, and have you ever seen that famous photograph of the kid running down the hallway and he's like it's black and white and he's trying to his dad is fucking after him well that's the way Mr. Walthall was towards uh, uh, Mr. Cigar Mr. Cigar would come to the end of the hallway and start pedaling sideways towards Paul's room he'd bang against the end of the hall where there's a, uh, a closet door and then boosh he'd shoot under uh, little Paul's bed and be safe and that went on for uh, many, many times that happened. Uh, so uh, for some reason, then uh, a, uh, I, uh, I bought a terrier from a blind girl. Is anybody blind here? Does that mean self Are there any blind dog owners? Uh, well, I've got, uh, this is another blind story, it's great. Here we are. Here we are, uh, just right down the street. I, I, I walked to do this radio interview today and passed by where the Mabuhe and on Broadway was. <laughs> oh my God, that was so cool. Uh, what a show. And, uh, oh man, what you had to do to play in that place. Uh, about, at the on Broadway, you had to load your equipment on this weird lift that went up like several stories, like a couple of stories, and it was just like shaking in the wind with that Dirk Dirksen dude, like, hey, we're gonna make a living in this Those were the good days. Those were really the good days. Uh, and then, I don't know, oh, I had, I had a killer story to tell, but it just totally, 62 years old on me. Um, yeah. So, if you could expound upon why you chose to switch from Mr. Cigar, who seems to have a wonderful oh, story. I was telling that story. Terrier. Yeah, yeah. Then I finally, uh, when I bought the uh, dog from the blind girl, I was like, I've got a dog. He's a little terrier. He's black. He's a black with a black head. He's all black with a white body. That's what I used to say. But, uh, and I uh, couldn't help but name him Mr. Cigar. And on his first birthday, he bit me in the nose so hard it pierced my nostril totally. It was bloody on both sides with his little Dracula pinchers. And he went on to be so faithful and wonderful to uh, uh, humans of the male. Uh, uh, he hated women. He was a woman hater. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
and I buried him in uh, uh, the backyard of Mickey, uh, the guitar player from Wing. Then Mickey moved, and I've been, and now I've got to like go to somebody's house sometime to go come visit Mr. Cigar's grave in the backyard. I don't think I'll ever do that. I was on my way to El Paso when I found out that uh, when I heard Mr. Cigar being put down and uh, um, so they uh, froze him for a week and a half before I got back <laughs> and then I buried this rock hard object <laughs> like a C shaped object C for cigar I dug the hole really fast. Mickey was shocked. He was afraid that I'd freak his son out. Anyway, let me, uh, did I read this part already? Uh, did I read the part about they are trees? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Got a question? Um, oh, no. What happened to the dumb dog? Why did he die? Yeah. In the very beginning? How? So you're reading the book. He got he got kicked in the head. And this is based on a true story. He got kicked in the head by this mean guy that some something that he smoked grapevine and, and looked at Playboy magazines. <laughs> And uh, uh, Larry Teeter was his name, and him and his evil friends encountered Mr. Cigar on this faithful bridge. And Larry Teeter kicked Mr. Cigar so hard that he flew into the ravine and died. They took him home, went to the vet to no avail. They buried him. The next morning, Mr. Cigar had dug himself out of his own grave and was alive. True story, too. That's a true story. Really is. Yeah? It totally is. It totally is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was uh those were miserable times for me. And uh that was uh that's truly a heartfelt uh uh song. I like that, the way, we'd be good right now. <laughs> Come David, where are you? Uh, uh, yeah. What's what? Words first. Words first? Were your chapters first before your titles? Uh, hold it, chapter titles? Oh, uh, wow, that's a good question. I don't fucking know. Uh, I think my editor arranged arranged the book in chapters, and then I gave them titles. And uh, I'm going to read from a uh, uh, chapter titled Nudity, Extreme Sex, and Strong Violent Content. The Roadside Drainage Ditch the roadside drainage ditch is basically filled at the top of rainfall, rushing downstream to nearby Catfish Creek, where the dank still water air has been reset to zero. What usually smells like an unflushed toilet is now, if only temporarily, a rather pleasant experience. The grove of crepe myrtles near the creek have, agitated, have been agitated by the brief flood and the scent of great bubblegum mixed with your grandmother's pillow permeates the air. Tomorrow morning, it might smell like a mixture of nothing and your grandfather's pillow. Tonight, however, the air is washed and sweet. Then the crazy loud drone of all things creek bottom goes silent. Gunshot echoes down the gully. The only sound for a breath or two is the gently flowing creek runoff and the dull reverberance of work shoes skidding across the asphalt. Then hell continues its quest to escape from the neither regions as Sergeant Cletus Acox screams out, God damn it, that dog made me shoot off my brand new red wing. As he rolls to his back, clutching at his ankle, screaming louder and louder in pain, 
God damn it, I shot off my whole fucking foot. God damn it, God damn it, God damn it. He continues. He sits up and stares squarely at us and says, get me a tourniquet, then passes out. Cletus Acox. That's a good name. Real Cletus Acox, Fort Worth, Texas. <coughs> doorman at a uh, trans bar called OBS. Just saying. I love Cletus. Did anybody ever steal shit from convenience stores or delis as a youngster? Did you you live in a place where you couldn't uh, buy uh, alcohol or perhaps cigarettes at your age and then just stole them? Well, in Texas, we call this process wahooing. And I could read you this whole quote, but one of my favorite wahooing stories ever was uh, this one particular market we used to pick on. It always had to be a different person to go in so the guy wouldn't figure it out. But this night, we got lucky. The uh, They had gotten smart to our act, and they put in this they had put, that's what my 10 year old says, they put this long pole through the door handles of all the, uh, the freezers that beer went to, so there's no way you could open it up and get beer. The only way you could open it up and get beer from the outside was to slide the pole all the way to the right, and that would block the door from anybody that was in the walk-in freezer. When we walked in that night, the guy behind the counter was in the walk-in freezer. <laughs> so he slid the pole all the way to the right, and he was banging and couldn't get out. He took a couple of 12-packs of Miller High Life and fled to the door. On the way out, left like a 20. Way more than to cover the beer so that everyone would be chill. And he wasn't stuck in the, in the walk-in all night long. He could open up the door a little bit and be like an inch at a time. <laughs> But uh, that was my, uh, and in the book I basically described that moment and then embellished upon it. I used uh, a common uh, foil, this uh, big red, big red uh, soda pop. You can use that for anything. Are you all familiar with big red soda pop? Oh yeah. You know how they make that? I don't either. I don't know what, I guess it's burnt sugar, but it seems like it's just kids chewing bubble gum, drooling into a big gigantic funnel. That's what it feels like to me. Speaking of which, the big giant funnel. Uh, All right, are you guys satisfied so far? All right, I'm 62 years old. I was born in 1957. I was psychologically arrested, or excuse me, I was, I stopped growing up in about 1971. That's really the main reason I wrote this book. Because it's as simple a, as a 13-year-old could write, and then, uh, then I put a lot of words in there that I've heard since then. <laughs> Do you feel it's kind of similar between writing the book and, and putting lyrics and songs together, or are they different things? Uh, no, well, that reminds me of the story. <laughs> we were at a club in Los Angeles, California, and uh, we were getting ready to go, go on, and they had no backstage, so we were like, at the bar, swinging our guitars. And El Duce, the singer for The Mentors, comes up to us and is looming over our shoulder. And I was like, El Duce. And he's like, yeah. And, and I said, is it true all your songs are about anal intercourse? And he goes, no. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, what was the question? <laughs> 
that's what it's about. I love that. Oh, it's a no. Oh, yeah. It's a great answer. No. Yeah. My, uh, uh, my son was telling me recently, he was like, uh, me and Ella are the only people in our classroom that believe in Santa Claus. And I was like, oh, buddy. He goes, that's okay. All the other kids believe in God. <laughs> Thank you. I am raised an empirical thinker. That is empirical thought for a 10-year-old. And I don't even know what empirical thought means. Is anybody else? Well, no. My pastor, Valerie, uh, Reverend Valerie, told me how you actually like streets, but you love your music. Ah, wow, cool. You told me that tonight. Uh, <laughs> literally, the message. Did you say your pastor? Yeah, one of them. Pastors? San Francisco Night Ministry. They're the ones that married Gary Floyd and Tom. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I'm a huge Gary Floyd fan. Yeah. Does anybody else? Does anybody else know yeah. Gary Floyd? Yeah. Bam. Yeah. Oh. Did you get a chance to hang out with Uncle Gary or something? No. One of the best. He never, he doesn't remember, but uh, one time we were waiting, we were, we were playing together at some club in Austin. He was reading the newspaper and I was hanging out next to him and he was just looking at the newspaper and he was like, just said out loud, he said, uh, buy lots of expensive cars, wreck them, have lots of beautiful women, kill them. <laughs> <laughs> he claims he never said that. <laughs> and like every time I see him, I was like, dude, one time I was hanging out with you and you read the newspaper and he, just, he was like, why do you keep on saying that? <laughs> I was like, I was like, Gary, what are you doing nowadays? I'm a fucking nurse. <laughs> Love Gary Floyd. Man, his version of those angels flying too close to the ground, all that, that whole that period he went through. Oh, oh, wish I had a ukulele. <laughs> Makes me want to have a ukulele. Sing a song. Why call him off? Yeah, yeah, but the dicks, come on, the dicks. Love it. Uh, it's true. Oh, oh, yeah, there's stuff he said that I can't say now. Oh. Awesome. <laughs> Those who have woke stopping me. <laughs> yes, I did some. Inappropriate things, young man. <laughs> Lots of them. Uh, let's see, can we get to... Uh, uh, oh, this is the part I like. Crack! Rolling over into the void, I'm looking up at the sky with upside-down light on Mr. Cigar peering over the edge. Panic in Lionel's voice. Oscar, no! Their faces are lit golden by the advancing sun. It's happy hour and everything is highly detailed. Crystal clear with a blue, blue sky, sky. Crackle. Tammy Ross, the little girl down the block, drags me into the evergreen bushes to show me how little girls wee-wee. A small price to pay for seeing how little boys do the same. Ears ring. Totally out of body, I can see my own face close up, mouth open, frozen as if in surprise. I'm in seventh grade, walking away from the baseball field after quitting the team in the middle of practice. All my teammates pointing at me, chanting, Pussy! 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 As I'm wordlessly leaving the diamond, her coach calls me a faggot, and I've never felt so confidently victorious in my whole fucking life. <laughs> Ringing now in an oddly static tone, I can still see my face, but it's getting further and further away. I feel sorry for that guy. Finally, he disappears into the nothing. Black. <laughs> Towards the end, someone nice. And, oh, uh, uh, I like, uh, I, and you get to write acknowledgments when you uh, write a book, apparently. That's your uh, moment to, uh, 
shine, uh, or be funny. Uh, special thanks to Blah 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 Blah. Special thanks as well to Richardson Independent School District. I owe you at least five thousand dollars worth of donuts. Special no thanks to Jerry Kramer, who was clearly offsides in the waning moments of the Ice Bowl goal line stand. Fuck you, Kramer. Thanks also to my bandmates, the Bubble Surfers, and to Dandy Don Meredith, the inventor of the bomb, and Bob Hayes, number 22, the fastest man on earth. Fuck yeah. Cowboys invented the Hail Mary, too. Everybody knows that, right? But, uh... Let's see, uh, what do we do? Do you want to, uh, yes, you thank you. referring to a 10-year-old. Does this person have any concept of what his father has done in his youth? <laughs> he, he's seen me like, uh, like people recognize me on the sidewalk, so he thinks I'm famous. <laughs> and that's about, I don't interrupt him with that. I'm like, yeah, buddy, I'm famous. <laughs> I, you know, no. Oh, he would hate it. He'd hate all of our music. He really would. He really, really would. It's way. It's not nearly. He likes. Uh, he goes to his school. He's like the only. He's one of like. Uh, uh, it's just a real urban environment, and the music they play for him in school is real hip hoppy and current pop. And that has nothing to do with what we did. So he probably hides it. He probably, you know what? That's a good question. He probably hates it, but doesn't want to tell me. <laughs> you didn't even show Texas barbecue. Uh, maybe uh, no. He hasn't seen most anything that I've done, really. But he's played with. Uh, uh, He's played on set. He's played uh, uh, the Shaw sleeps in Lee Harvey's grave uh, numerous times on stage as as a drummer. Perhaps he does. He's my buddy. His name is uh, his name is Satchel Moses Haynes, and uh, uh, people ask me, did you? Uh, uh, did you name your son after Satchel Paige, the baseball player? And I go, no, Satchel Bernstein, Satchel Paige's agent. <laughs> Funny, huh? But, uh, you know, I say that employers must wash their hands before returning to work. <laughs> uh, just work on us, sit down. Uh, and it's funny uh, we uh, I named well, we uh, came upon the name Satchel for our soon to be born son and and then Moses as his middle name and then we found out that Woody Allen had a son that he named Satchel but who hated his father so much he changed his name to Ronan and and then to find out that Woody Allen has another son named Moses, oh. and or or motion they call Moses or Moses and they call motion. I don't know what it is, but I'm not a Woody file, right? <laughs> Just saying. I love some of his work, but <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> apparently. <laughs> You know, I don't know, but we were on the Gary Shandling show, and yeah, 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 he's awesome, and uh, we were getting ready to film, and I was like, you know, Gary, I go, you know we've got a song, he goes, I know, I know, I know, that was a good one, that was a real, uh, being on that show, we got to do, we got to kind of set the stage on fire, and that was a huge, that was a huge thing that Gary did for us. He pulled some strings. That was like a heavy Hollywood lot. 
that we had to have a fire truck outside. <laughs> Thank you, Gary Shannon. Can you talk about the, the book cover illustration and whether it was a similar process to, you know, getting the album cover art for LPs? You mean this one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Uh, now, uh, the about the about the book cover art. Yeah, and whether it's you know similar to getting album album cover art, you know, back and forth. Well, because uh, it's the first book I did, uh, and it's kind of like the audio book as well. There's an audio book of this coming out, and my editor was like, "Why don't you read?" the epilogue and the uh, uh, the prologue and the epilogue and for the audiobook and I was like uh, uh, okay and then I went to the audiobook place where they uh, do the recording and I tried to read it for a while and they were like uh, I want you to play I, I want to play for you like what these uh, voice actors do and I, I just started laughing immediately. I was like, no, no, I'm not a voice actor. So they're really good. And I cannot do that. Uh, oh! Way better than any voice actor. Well, uh, there we go. Maybe you can sing it. The, uh, oh, should have brought my ukulele. Um, yeah, I would. I, I, I could get like at least five minutes here. Uh, does anybody know when I started? Oh, shit. Um, you know any songs from the Billy Jack soundtrack? Wow. I wish I knew the words. Well, good. But I love that. The, that uh, one ten soldier rides away. Go ahead and hate your neighbor. Go ahead and be their friend. What do you say? Do it in the name of hell. You'd be justified in the end. Justified. Come to judgment day. Something morning after. One ten so does anybody remember that guy? What was the guy said? What was Billy Jack the actor? What was Tom Laughlin. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Tom Laughlin. I've got a question. Yeah. All of your Korean stuff, you know, given your stage, your stage, your stage, you're on stage. Persona? Whatever. How much, of, how much of your creativity is premeditated and how much of it just happens? Oh, uh, wow. Well, on a uh, on a micro level, it all just happens. Uh, yeah, all of it just happens. About planning to do it, planning to let it happen, opening yourself up to it happening. That's a good one. When the moment of creativity hits you. It was, uh, make sure you didn't smoke any pot right before that. <laughs> did, did Donovan ever have a take on your version of Heard Again, which is one of the best songs ever? Uh, his song? Yeah. Uh, now I remember him telling a journalist, uh, I wrote the song, why the fuck should I listen to a version of it? <laughs> What about Rocky Erickson, your version of uh, Earthquake? Uh, I don't know, but I love Rocky. The, uh, and uh, Rocky and Daniel Johnston are uh, recent, <coughs> uh, recently departed. Uh, uh, one time, uh, Rocky came over to our house uh, way back in the day. We had... Um, and like a bathroom that was just so psychedelic. It was just, and uh, 
Rocky came over, we ate a little barbecue, and then he uh, went to the bathroom, and he didn't come out for three and a half hours. <laughs> and uh, uh, the next time I saw him was several years later, and we were with, uh, it was uh, me and Rocky and Willie Nelson. Wow. Uh, and uh, uh, that night, where Rocky, when Rocky disappeared in the bathroom, he disappeared with a uh, um, a bat in a jar that we had. And many years later, he was like, he was like, "Hey, brother, did you bring another bat?" <laughs> and then he goes, he was like, "Geez, if it gets any hotter, we're gonna have to need a shovel." <laughs> And then he goes, do I have to eat with you? <laughs> and he was like this. And I was like, yo, Rocky. I was like totally down with Rocky. But Willie was, Willie had like uh, a four foot rule for, for him and Rocky. Willie was, <laughs> Willie remembered Rocky from uh, earlier years. But, uh, <coughs> Uh, Daniel was another story. I knew Daniel Johnson when he was like this gorgeous kid that was part of the music scene. And he was amazing, just steadily creative and then uh, just tragically drifted into uh, um, his thing. Uh, but uh, the early years of Daniel Johnson were amazing. That period of Austin, Texas was super cool. I remember there's, uh, there's so many great, so many great times we had with various friends. Lighting people's elbows on fire. Uh, we, we had a black white supremacist before Chappelle did even. Uh, it was great. It was a great time to, uh, great thing to experience. There you have it. Uh, yeah. I could, you ever do this thing with the Bible? <laughs> In a void of myopic singularity, no big deal. Duh. The Bible, that's so funny. Uh, wow, I crossed that tributary. Now I can't find it or where I'm supposed to be and the shadows are starting to get fuzzy and a little drifty. I wonder if I will ever not feel like this. Then for some reason I turn off the headlights and take the remote control out of my backpack. <laughs> uh, I do have... Uh, I really wrote this book for uh, with boys in mind, but I do have a woman of power, and uh, she is an amazing inventress. And uh, she came up with a really cheap device which you set up outside, and then it yields uh, ice cold water, and uh, in an amazing level. So. Uh, uh, it gives air conditioning and water for like three bucks a little sheet and it is a game changer it also it's a solar power too and she has uh, invented this crazy new uh, solar power system uh, that all can afford and uh, her name is Carla Marx just saying <laughs> she's made some other good things too she made a uh, oh but the future for Carla yeah oh did you know the whole story you were writing before you started writing it or did you work on it as you went um, a combination I would get uh, 
I pretty much had the whole thing in my mind. It started out as a uh, as a short story. The uh, prologue is a short story I wrote uh, for an anthology uh, of, of uh, children's stories um, that were illustrated by uh, uh, really cool current day artists, and that that book exists. And then I got approached to do a book. And they said, you know an example of what you've written? And I gave them that. And then they said, let's do a book. And I go, okay, that's the beginning of my book. And then at that point, I had the whole thing in my mind until I couldn't decide how I was going to end it. But I did well before I got to the end, and uh, there was a great deal of, uh, it's kind of weird, it's a weird situation if you're writing, are there any writers here, is anybody write? Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, if you ever, <coughs> I really got, not, I was emotionally moved when, uh, <laughs> certain characters died in the book when it was my responsibility to kill these people. I was I wanted them to die with dignity and grace. Uh, and I hope I accomplished that. How do you come up with the theory that a person has given three dogs when they are born? The band. Three dog night. <laughs> <laughs> Three dollars life. Uh, wow, you guys uh, remember the uh, genre of splatter movies in the eighties? Wow, that was a wacky period. Huh? This is like a gateway book to uh, Fear and Loathing. <laughs> wow, oh, that's oh, right. Wow, the gateway, gateway to Hunter Thompson. The illustrations, you know, you know I, I brought uh, $25,000 in a brown paper sack to Hunter Thompson on my 45th birthday. <laughs> and we all, I, well, me and several of my friends went to uh, a lunch with him, and uh, uh, they took his order for a drink first, and I don't know what it was, a Manhattan or something, and it came to me, and I was like, uh, I like, it was early, and I was like, I'd like a Bloody Mary, and he goes, ooh, I'd like a Bloody Mary too. And the guy after me ordered a, a rum and coke, and Hunter was like, ooh, I'd like a Bloody Mary too. And it went around to three more people, and he ended up with seven drinks. <laughs> He was cool too. When I knocked on the door, he was staying at the uh, 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 one hotel in Hollywood. And uh, the uh, anyway, I, I uh, he was like, "We don't want to come in." And I didn't understand anything he said. What he was talking about? And he there was these two girls in there with him, and they obviously been up all night long. And he had a salt shaker and was making little shapes of uh, salt piles on everybody in the room. He made a little salt pile on my shoulder and gave him money and was like, see you at the, see you at the bar. Hours <laughs> 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 Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep, there you have it. That's as close as uh, uh, yeah. I'll sign. I'll sign all your books. Do you all go away? <laughs> Is anybody anybody want to hear anything else? Am I am I incomplete? There we go. Is the Amy Carter story really true? Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> and. Uh, yes. <laughs> no need to get into it, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, my wife would hate me if I told that, but it is true. 
I saw the Secret Service. And I saw Jimmy, who's the greatest ex-president ever. I could have touched Jimmy Carter. I was that far away. I shook hands with Lyndon Baines Johnson one time. Has anybody else uh, touched the president's hand? Jimmy Carter. You got Jimmy Carter? What did you get? Clinton. Yeah, Bill Clinton? Clinton awesome. My wife has got Clinton. What do you got? Clinton Obama. Wow. And Bush. Wow, you got a Bush. Which Bush? <laughs> Young Bush, old Bush. Uh, ah. Dude, am I not the only one who would totally trade significant shit to get one of his paintings? <laughs> also, is there anybody else in the room that doesn't laugh out loud until they cry when they see a photograph of Eric Bush or Eric Trump? <laughs> Jesus, I don't know which one he is, Beavis or Butthead. It's just like when I like I see those just totally over celebratory teeth and then it goes through that mile and a half of gum that's when I just fucking lose it I can't believe it and their sister oh my god she used to have a boutique in the Lower East Side and if you walked past her boutique you didn't have to go in but it smelled like your grandmother that lost her sense of smell just just flowing out of there it was like uh uh, walking past a uh, 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 gay bar in the 70s smelling beautiful nitrate. It was just flowing out of there. Not in a good beautiful nitrate way. <laughs> Those were the days, my friends. Uh, who wrote that? Who was that song? Mary Hopkins, way to go. I thought they'd never been. She'd sing and dance, they'd sing and dance. I thought I'd never lose. Yes, those were the days. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I'll sign your fucking books if you. <laughs> I'll sign the shit out of them. Thank you so much. I hope. Thanks for listening to Live from City Lights, a podcast from City Lights Bookstore and Publishers. Our theme music was provided by Axolotl. All City Lights events are free. To see upcoming events at City Lights Bookstore in San Francisco, check out www.citylights.com events.